Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hey, my friend, and welcome to the show. I am glad you're here. And you know, I think I'm going to make a good assumption about you. Because you're listening to this, I am guessing that you are a person who wants more out of life than just to acquire stuff, and more out of life than to just acquire titles. You want to also feel great, and you want to have a sense of purpose, and you want to live a life with no regrets, or at least very few regrets. So this podcast is dedicated to your freedom and is all about one of the key emotions that keeps us from living our best life, and that is fear. So fear is just going to be a natural part of our lives. We can't get rid of it, but we can manage it. And the consequence of not managing fear is everything. It's your potential. It's living a good life. And the problem is our brains are wired to keep us safe which requires fear. So our brains would rather us be afraid and small than reach our potential. Last night, I watched a very powerful documentary about the life of Tina Turner. And when they were asking why she chose, why she chose to stay with a husband who was beating her, torturing her, why she chose to stay, she said, I was a young woman caught up in guilt and fear, and that is the worst thing you can feel. I would argue that shame is worse than guilt, and I think she meant shame because later in the show she said that she was feeling shame. So she almost lived and chose a life of torture and living small and never, ever becoming the superstar that we know her to be, all because of fear and guilt and shame. Okay, so let's just... Let's just get real and talk about why we have fear. I know we've talked about this before, but I just want to remind you, fear is normal because we have ancient brains that are wired to survive. They are not wired to thrive and reach our potential. They're wired to not be the next meal and to be able to find the next meal. And we are programmed very early from birth to age seven by observing the world around us. Uh, So we are not logical creatures, we're emotional creatures. I recently had a client who had a lot of fear. She had imposter syndrome because she had been promoted into a big job. And even though the boss had absolute confidence and he made a great decision in choosing her, she didn't feel confident because she had all this fear. And we kept peeling the onion even after she realized, oh, I am fully qualified for my job. She still had fear. And we kept going beneath the layers and figuring out, going back and back in time. And she realized that her core fear was that she would be destitute and homeless on a curb. And she actually started laughing when she said it. It didn't make it any less real, but she realized how absurd it was. And then I helped her see that this was part of her programming from when she was very, very little and how she observed the world and the fear of those around her. She um, lived with people who had been through the Holocaust, and fear was just part of, you know, part of the fabric of her life. 
very at a very young age. So once she could realize that, then she could stop being tortured by it and start noticing and managing it. We're going to talk about the process of how to get rid of fear, but first you got to notice it. So for those of us who want to go beyond survival, it's important to know what frightens your brain, what puts your brain into a fear state. It's not usually fear of being destitute or fear of being hungry, although that's way down deep under the, under the biggest fears. But we're going to bucket them into three categories. So your brain is wired to feel very uncomfortable about these three kinds of fears. The first is social pain. Social pain is that fear that people aren't going to like us, that somebody's going to get annoyed by us, that somebody's going to be offended by us, that somebody's going to give us a negative comment. And can you imagine if people didn't get over that? How little brilliant work would be created in the world. But it's not going to go away. You can overcome it, though. So that's social pain and social fear. The next one is status fear. Status fear. It sounds like something in the, in the atmosphere. So status pain is the next one that really freaks out your brain. And this is the fear that we will never measure up, that we won't be as good as somebody else, that somebody else is better than us, and so will succeed more than us. So it's simply the I'm not good enough. The social pain is the I'm not likable enough. The status pain is the I'm not uh, worthy enough, good enough. Huge triggers for us that will cause us unnecessary pain if we don't manage it and notice it. The last bucket of fear for your brain is energy depletion fear. Your brain is afraid of doing anything that's uncomfortable. Anything that might put you out of your comfort zone takes extra energy. Change requires energy, especially that initiation energy. It's like the rocket that requires a lot of energy in the beginning and then it can coast. Well, your brain would just rather you not turn on the rocket. Let's just sit on the couch and watch Netflix. And this is why people choose the easy path, even though it may be a painful path in the long run. So in modern times... We fear things like someone doesn't like us, someone will be mad at us, we might say something stupid, um, and then we'll be judged, or we might be uncomfortable, so we avoid situations where we might be uncomfortable, or maybe we feel being fired. All of these fears are going to create behaviors. So if you fear being fired, you're going to be very careful. You might decide that you're not going to speak up in meetings just in case you say something wrong. Or you might decide that you're never going to say no because that might get you fired. So you're going to constantly say yes to things even when you've said yes to too many things that any one human being can do. So these fears cause us to take bad risks or to avoid taking good risks and to invest our time in the wrong things. So the real reason why you're not as successful and fulfilled as you want to be is probably not the reasons that normally come to mind. I hear people tell me, I'm not successful because I don't have my MBA, or I'm not successful because I don't have enough experience or the right kind of experience. I know a lot of women look at a job description and say, oh, I can't, can't go for that one. I don't have all that experience. It is not because you lack good communication skills. 
And if you want proof, just look around you and you will see somebody who also does not have the thing that you are blaming your current status on and they're doing great. They're confident. It's because of fear. Fear is what is keeping you stuck. So here are some of the ways I see people coping with fear in ways that are career killing and soul killing. One is because they think they have to be perfect and have to always look good and never say anything that might, might make them look stupid, they script out everything they want to say. Or because they're afraid of change and they're afraid of losing their job and they're afraid of being fired and they're afraid of going hungry, they stay in jobs they hate. They take on too much and just assume that if they stay quiet and work hard and work weekends and work nights and sacrifice sleep, that it'll all work out somehow magically. They get more expensive and time-intensive degrees or certifications that nobody really cares about. Or they numb out with television, social media, and news. Or they stay in dead marriages that are never going to uh, come back to life. So this week alone, I spoke to two women who are in the process of getting expensive time-sucking degrees. I mean, I'm talking like multiple hundred thousand dollar degrees. And I am not against higher education. I actually have an advanced degree. Um, (laughs) But I got it because it fueled me with delight and I was pretty darn certain that a master's degree from Stanford would help me in my career at some point, especially because I had a French degree. And, you know, that's really not the best degree to get (laughs) if you want to be a professional. So anyways, I'm not against higher education. I'm just against it if it's only there to resolve your fear and if it's more costly than it's going to pay off for you. So if you don't learn to manage your fear, well... It manages you, and you will never be the person you want to be. So please uh, understand that I understand fear from the inside and out. I have a normal ancient operating system in my head too, which means I have felt existential fear. I'll give you just a few examples. So, um, well, I'm sure started earlier than this, but one of the things that comes to mind first was when I broke my back at the age of 22 as a senior in college, halfway through my last year of college. And I was told by a doctor that I would be crippled for the rest of my life and I would never be able to have a normal job. Well, I believed him and I went into a severe downward spiral fueled by fear. Or more than 20 years later, or about 19 years later, when I realized that my marriage had been over for all intents, I was terribly afraid of being destitute and of ruining my daughter's life. My daughter was four at the time. Uh, Next one, I was afraid, deeply, deeply afraid to leave a corporate job to be independent, even though every cell in my body told me that that was my path. When I moved into a house that we finally figured out was filled with black mold, which I am severely allergic to, besides the fact that it's toxic to everybody, um, I I feared I would be homeless. 
I feared I would have to live in somebody's bedroom with my dogs and my daughter. When my daughter, <laughs> I could go on and on and on, but when my daughter was supposed to go um, to middle school and we didn't have a clear path to do that, I feared that she would not get into a good school and that the rest of her life would go downhill. So, so many things to be afraid of. I'm just going to cap it off with one more. Online dating. Oh my God, I had so much terror about that. And if I hadn't done it, guess what? I would not have met my amazing life partner. More about that later. I know you're all going to wonder which which online dating platform did I use, so I'm just going to tell you. Um, I used them all pretty much, um, but I found him on Bumble. So there you go. So some people say when it comes to your fears about fear that you just need to push through it. Just endure it, push through it, ignore it, and do the courageous thing anyways. I don't think it's quite that simple. I think if you want to be truly happy and successful, you have to notice the fear and then let it go. Instead of dragging it along with you like a ball and chain, you have to release it. And then you have to create in its place true confidence, courage, and clarity. And I know that may sound impossible, but it's not only possible. I see it happen every freaking day. So just as a reminder, unless this is the first time you're listening to me, your thoughts and emotions carry a frequency, a vibrancy, and a wave. Thoughts are electric. Emotions are magnetic. You need them both in order to create neural pathways. So thoughts can vibrate with thoughts and emotions. We're going to combine them now. They can vibrate with the high energy of bliss, peace, love, gratitude. Or they can vibrate at the low energies of fear, guilt, shame, anger. Very important to know about emotions is they are not permanent They dissolve and disperse. At most, it takes two minutes. Most emotions will be gone in 90 seconds if you let them. They want to just move through you. Just like energy is constantly moving through you, fear is no different. But what happens is people keep feeding the fear with contraction and painful thoughts. And when I say contraction, I mean we hold our breath. Instead of relaxing, we contract. You know what this feels like. It happens all the time. It happens when you open an email that you don't like. It happens when somebody gives you a look on a Zoom call. Um, happens all the time. And the opposite of contraction is expansion. Expansion. When we breathe, we open up and we relax. You can literally feel this opening and softening in your heart space. If we don't let these emotions go, these painful emotions, and by the way, you don't even have to try to let positive emotions go. You know what it's like. You're feeling really happy and then it's gone wait, what happened to that? You're feeling peaceful and then something disrupts your peace. Because if you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, positive emotions didn't keep us alive. The negative ones did. So they have more staying power. But if you let them go, and I discussed that in the last podcast, how to relieve release suffering. So if you don't let it go, you're going to be contracted and then you will be in paralysis of indecision. So David Hawkins, as you probably know by now, mapped emotions on a scale of zero to a thousand. The lowest emotion on the spectrum sits at 20, and it's shame. So shame is like toxic waste to your system. It's very slow vibrating, and it's very heavy. And you know this. You can feel it. The highest emotions are at enlightenment 
or bliss at between 700 and 1,000. So if you can just get to love, which is also the same vibration of gratitude, and above, love, joy, peace, man, that would be an awesome place to live or even to visit on a daily basis, multiple times a day. So I like to think of this analogy of swinging on a swing set because when I think of joy and freedom, I think of the visceral feeling I get when I swing on a swing set. And that feeling of when you're really high up and your feet are flying and you're cruising through the air, man, it feels so good. But if you think about fear, it's like sitting at the bottom of the swing set, watching everybody else fly, and you're not only stuck, but your feet are stuck in quicksand and you are sinking. So you can't just go from that to joy. It would be like going from quicksand to feet flying at the top of the swing set. It doesn't work. You have to go up the scale. So the first thing you have to do is just notice, oh, I'm sitting down here in quicksand. And then you have to release it. Now in Tina Turner's situation, she found Buddhism and she found chanting. And she loved to sing, so chanting was kind of natural for her. And the chanting freed her. She said it freed her. And what I think happened is that it put her into the present state. When you are in fear, you are worrying about something that will happen in the future. She was so afraid of leaving Ike Turner that she couldn't see a path out. She was so afraid that she would have nothing. She couldn't see a path out. So you have to notice it. You have to breathe into it. You have to be, um, be in the present moment and let the emotion move through you and dissolve. Step two is to leverage the next emotion up on the scale. And just above fear is desire. So fear vibrates at 100. Shame was at 20. Fear is at 100. Desire is at 125. So desire is much more easily accessible than courage or acceptance or joy. So you have to decide what you want. You have to want something so badly it is worth doing, even if you're afraid of it. So in Tina Turner's case, it was worth having freedom to do the thing that she was afraid of doing. It was worth losing everything to have her freedom. That's how much she desired her own freedom and her own success. And her specific desire was to be the first solo artist to fill stadiums just like the Rolling Stones were doing. Okay, not only had there not been a solo artist who did that, but there had never been a middle-aged black woman who had done that. She wanted to do it. And the desire filled her up with so much passion and so much courage that she was able to do the very hard thing, which was to leave her husband. So then step three, after you create what you want, is that you have to create a new belief that will neutralize the fear. So in her case, her belief might have been, I am unstoppable. Now is my time, and no matter what happens, I will find a way. I will never give up. And I do believe that she believed that. So you have to help your brain see the situation in a way that calms your state and excites you with possibility. And remember, excitement is very similar to anxiety. It's just anxiety with breath. Expansion creates anxiety. And you've 
felt this. If you have to give a presentation and you're anxious, you just take a deep breath and the anxiety can dissolve and become excited. And you can start to see the possibilities, this presentation, this conversation, this whatever, this possibility that you have right now. So when I was talking to a woman this week who was out there getting one of those degrees and on her path to her bachelor's degree, which she was very excited about getting, um, even though nobody, it hadn't held her back in her career yet, but she felt it would. She was also trying to get an associate's degree. And she had to take this horrific class that was terribly hard for her. It would be like me taking a chemistry class. Um, it wouldn't go well. So she was spending all of her Saturdays away from her family, struggling and struggling and struggling. And so I asked her, what is your goal? What is your desired outcome? Because I needed to know if she really desired this degree. And she said, I want to feel proud and I want to be respected. I said, okay, so think of somebody you want respect from. Are they going to respect this degree? And she started laughing. She said, nope, not one little bit. I said, okay, so you want pride. Pride is an emotion that creates dopamine and serotonin. I said, are you open to getting dopamine and serotonin in another way that doesn't cause you to lose all of your Saturdays for the next year? And she started laughing. She said, absolutely. <laughs> and then she said, you just did for me in five minutes or three minutes or two minutes or however, however many minutes we spent talking about that in um, more than my therapist has done in a year. So uh, therapy can be great, but there is a much quicker way to feel better and to get clarity. And talking about the past and ruminating about it and talking about your fears is not the way to do it. Okay, so the next step after you have a new belief that neutralizes the fear is you have to visualize in detail that thing you desire as if it's happened. And you have to be grateful in advance. So Tina Turner did this. She imagined herself with a platinum record. She imagined herself on stage. So when she stepped on the stage in the football stadium in Rio with 187,000 screaming people, it felt familiar. It felt like destiny. She had no fear, just fulfillment. So I hope this is giving you some ideas. I hope you can go back and listen to the last podcast for actual instructions on how to release emotions. And please, um, I'm going to put some uh, in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to a masterclass you can watch if you want to know all of the shifts, the five shifts, including the belief upgrade system that I've talked about right here. But just know that fear is probably not serving you and it will be a ball and chain on you unless you learn to release it and, um, and grow and expand into the person that you are supposed to be. So thank you for listening and go and have a joyful, expansive day. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.